Take your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. Now, I, I, I want you to be honest. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to be honest with me, and it's okay I, I'm, unless you skip to do this. But how many of you were able to catch the tail end of the Buckeye game last night? Raise your hand. All right. Most of you. There was a lot of people here last night that got to see the whole thing, but we're not going to get on that because it's just a touchy subject with me right now. But uh, I know for most people you're kind of wishing that the score at the end of it would have went the other way. It didn't work out that way. And uh, the, the Michigan team uh, did pull it off. But uh, last night we obviously had a little opposition, uh, you know, with, with the competition, with the game, and us having the drum and things like that. I told them, I said, I don't think that's ever, I don't remember it being that way where it landed on the same night of a pageant and things like that. But that's just the way that it goes. But let me, let me kind of use that as an illustration, not the negative part, but the, the game itself. And I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like I'm this hardcore Buckeye fan or football fan. You guys know that I'm not. I enjoy it, but I'm not one that, uh, you know, it doesn't ruin my day if they win or lose or whatever. Uh, but there's two major aspects to the game. There's the offense and the, there you go, you guys are with me. So, that basically, they're either trying to advance the ball forward. So how much I'm telling you, so you guys are going to go, wow, I didn't know we knew so much about football. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. They're either trying to advance the football forward, or they're trying to shut the other team down to, to, to stop them in their, their tracks, offense and defense. Did I get that part right? See, I'm, I'm a football guy. I know these things. And uh, I, I thought about that. When, when it comes to our, our Christian walk and, and, and living it out, I, I, I've preached a lot of messages, series, Sunday school lessons, even Wednesday night, things like that, on, on the subject of defense or, or defending your faith, and, or defending your kids, defending your family, defending what you believe, standing for what you believe. Stand your ground, put your dukes up, know where, where your ground is, and, and be steadfast, unmovable. I know those things. You guys know those things. But I thought there, there's two sides of it. And I think that we need to be able to preach both sides of it. And I, I believe all these things are biblical to take a stand and defend. But then I think that there's also times for the church and for the Christian, we're not playing defense but offense. When the objective is to push forward. You say, well, that's hard if we're taking this football illustration. You say, that's kind of hard sometimes because you've got this wall that's standing in front of us, and they're sitting there ready to take us down, ready to defend, and making sure that we don't make any ground, or we don't uh, gain any yardage or anything like that. And, and, and that is the way that it is. And on that, that defensive line, you, you've got Satan calling the calls. You, you've, we, we've got opposition with weather. We've got opposition with people. We've got opposition with... Uh, the devil's going to use anything. A Buckeye game, you know, whatever. Anything to put there... To where we're trying to, to advance the gospel or push our way through. And there's that opposition there. I believe last night, and, and, and honestly, I had this message, but I didn't have this illustration until I watched the game. And the Lord just kind of put the two together. And uh, I, I thought about that. La last night on the last touchdown for Michigan State, their team worked together. And they showed you know the replay over and over again of how... That running back, they, they, they work together and they just split it right at the right spot. And they all work together and that guy took the ball, just went all the way through. And I started thinking about that. How, how awesome that was, how when you're determined to win, 
You're looking there saying, you know what, I don't care what stands in my way. I'm praying that God makes a way for me to get through and accomplish the goals that he set before us. So I want to study the Bible and I want to kind of show you not, not the defense, but the offense. How the church should play the offense or being offensive players for the, for the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 29. Now, I, I know this is a passage that some of us are similar, are, are familiar with when we get into the, the actual story. And then I'm actually just going to close out on that part. Uh, but I, I want to lead up to it. I want to lay some things out and kind of draw some comparisons. In 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 20 and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Now, I want you to understand that that's saying something. You say, all that were behind. No, that, that's really saying we often say that things are bad in the world today. Well, let me take you to a time and show you that things have been bad for a long time, okay? The devil's always been in this world. Sin has always been in the world. And it's always been forming that line to try to stop the church or the saints of God from advancing. That has not changed. Let, let me show you. Let, back up just a little bit. First uh, Kings 16, verse 25. Look at this verse. And Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all that were before him. So you, you've got a, a guy that was horrible, that the Bible says that he did worse than everybody that was before him. And then you get this new guy that comes in and his son that does worse than even his dad does. I, I mean, there's proud moments in a dad's life when you say, son, you outdid me. But I don't think this is one of those times. You talk about an entire other message that we could preach at some point to talk about the illustration of your sons following in your footsteps. Or the example that you set. His son had no boundaries, no, no sight of God, no moral compass whatsoever. And guess what? He, he, was, he got that from following after his father. And I'm trying to draw the conclusion or draw, lay this out right here that, you know, things are bad. You say things are bad. Well, they get worse. This King Ahab married a lovely woman. I'm telling you, the type that you want to bring home to your mom and show off and Yell out her name. Who knows who this was? Jezebel. Jezebel is not one of those women that we think about in Scripture of, oh, how sweet. But uh, she was an evil woman. And here you take this evil man that had an evil father. And the evil father did worse than anyone that ever went before him. And then he has a son and he did more evil than his father. And then he pairs up with this woman that is the epitome of evil, and now we're, we're, you know what we're doing? We're drawing this defensive line, and then we're, we're building that up thinking, Elijah's standing there going, "Woo, man, that is, that's not going to be easy to get through, and Lord, I, I, I know what I need to do, so what, what do they do? They play offense. No, they play, no, no, let's back up. Look, I, I want to start at the beginning and, and get into the defense. Let, let me show you. We're going to build up to that before we get into there. I, I, I'm here to tell us as Christians, don't be shocked when you see opposition come. Don't be, and, and the thing is, we, we stand back and sometimes we almost drop our weapons down and think, wow, things have gotten really bad. 
And God turns our heads back through Scripture and says, Son, things have been bad a long time in a lot of ways for a lot of years. They, they are hunting down and killing Christians just for their belief in God during this time. And I, I think we do kind of throw in the towel, either with our classes and, and we'll, we'll have maybe kids from our community that come in our bus routes that don't know God or don't think, we're, we're thinking, man, I don't think I should teach anymore. These kids just are, are just so difficult today. And God said, man, they've been difficult for a long time. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do believe that times are changing. And I, I, I believe that there is evil all around us, and we're not going to deny that. I never thought, I never thought I'd live in a day and age where I would witness coming on the screen that they're going to legalize and pushing from state to state to legalize marijuana. And, and I'm telling you, as a church, I'm telling you, brace for it. It's coming. It, it will be next. They will be legalizing prostitution. They will be taxing prostitution. Don't be shocked at what comes. We live in a sin-cursed world, and it started way back here. And all the things that go around us and the things that we see on prime time, and you, you think of what Miley Cyrus got away with on national television when millions and millions of people are watching, and then flash back to the day and age when Elvis Presley could not be you know, filmed or, or they'd have to record him from the, the waist up because of his movements that that is like not even a, a blink of what happens today and I, i'm going to tell you that opposition is here but that's part of that defensive line that the saints putting up and we don't just drop our thing our hands and go oh man things are bad it got so bad that during this time and and, and now in chapter 17 that the story of god how he provided for food for elijah by the raven and dropped the food to him and he had the brook and the brook eventually dried up because of the drought in the, line, the land and, and uh, God eventually led him to a widowed woman and uh, she was out and she was picking up sticks and said woman God sent me to you to, uh, to provide for myself and, and she said I can't provide for you I'm, I'm broke myself she said I'm going to go home and take these sticks make me a, a, a fire cook my last bread and, and me and my kids are going to sit and die or my son's going to sit and die we're, we're done there's nothing else we could do you, you see what i'm saying they're, they're on the defense they're just trying to keep their heads above water they're just trying to survive well you guys know the story or a lot of you know the story this is what happens that god works in that situation and, and he said you know what as long as you provide for me and take care of me and you bless me god turned around and made sure that her oil and her her, her meal never ran out, and God provided for that. Her son falls ill. She cries out in hurt and says, uh, what have I to do with thee? Verse 18, O thou man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to repent and then slay my son? Let me tell you, hurting people that are in a cursed world that is filled with sin cry out and say things that they shouldn't. They, they are hurting. This woman, even after she saw God working, stood there and says, what did you bring all this into my life? brings the, the, the boy up and heals the boy and cries out to God. And now in chapter 17, verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth, in, in thy mouth is truth. Now I'm building this up, and I, I think I just wanted to start off in, in the situation of showing that they're not advancing at this point. Man, things are bad, and they're, they're just, I, I think, pulling back and just doing this. 
You know what I'm saying? They're just kind of putting their dukes up and saying, man, I, I, I want to keep my kids alive and I'm trying to survive and Ahab and Jezebel and all this wickedness is coming into the world. I want to make something clear. Ahab and Jezebel had a goal to eliminate anybody that stood for God. So as we get into this next part, we're going to start in chapter 18, verse 1, and then we'll actually get into the thrust of the message this morning. But I, I don't want you to take light what's about to happen. Because I think sometimes when we read, and Elijah went before Ahab. No, Elijah went before a man that could have been, kill him, just like that. Jezebel did it. Ahab did it. I mean, you, you talk about a man that was more wicked than any king that had ever gone before him. We're talking a man that could have done this. So I want you to know as we read this, that this isn't just something we take lightly. Chapter 18 and verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went and showed him Self unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with water or with bread and water. Obadiah was a great man, a man that loved God and feared God so much to the point where he was willing to put himself on the wrist, but once again, defense. Guys, let's go hide in a cave. Let's, let's, let's get out of this opposition and, and, and hide ourselves because you're going to die. And he fed them with water and bread. But the point that I'm trying to tell you and tell the church and tell every believer and tell us as, as a body of believers this morning, it's time to get out of the cave. It's time to stop fighting defensively. And God calls out to Elijah and says, it's time to advance. There is a time and a place for that. And I believe that God had his hand on all these situations. But at this point, God walks up to Elijah, taps him on the shoulder and says, Buddy, there's, there's, there's something to be done. My name needs to be glorified. There's people to be reached. You've got to get out of the cave. You've got to get out of, from the brook. You've got to get out of the widow's house. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. And it's time to move forward for the sake of their lives. Playing defense, and now it's time to turn around. Now, the story that we're going to get into in verse 17 is more than a story about a man that built an altar and prayed down fire from heaven. And I know we know that side of it, but I, I want to look at the principles behind it because if the story was simply that, then all of us would be going out doing the materialistic thing of trying to follow that, that of it, but it's the power and the, and, and the principles behind this that makes this applicable to us today. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. And that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. I love how he called him out on the truth. Now therefore send and gather to me all of Israel unto, the Car uh, unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? The Lord be God, follow him. 
But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Now, I, I love what's going on here. And I'm going to show you the steps that Elijah took to, to, to be, to turn this around or, or, or to be like Brother Tyler preached just a couple of Sunday nights ago, how to be a game changer. And that, that, that's what's going on is everything is changing and this thrust right here, it, it's, it, things are about to happen. But watch how God uses this man of a nation that was fighting defensively until they turned around and went uh, uh, aggressively forward. Number one, he began by stepping out on faith. He could have died for showing up. He could have been ridiculed. He could have been shut down. Anything and everything that was going through his mind of why not the charge through that big line of people was running through his mind. And he's standing there saying, oh dear God. And God says, go forward and do this. Because I'm telling you, the Bible is very clear that we cannot do anything unless we demonstrate faith in our lives. I, I, I want to do more than just say that my God can do anything. I want to see my God do something. I want to do more than just say that God will bless. I want to see God bless. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Elijah came before Ahab because God led him to do it. Elijah had to trust God. I, I've thought about this. Going back to our illustration, the coach pulls them in together and they're sitting there and says, Man, they've got a, a tough defensive line. And I want you, you, and you. And I'm telling you, the angels of God and the hand of God said, they're saying, I'll tell you what, I want you guys to bust in there. And I've got my man over here. Put yourself in that situation. Whoever you are, that dad, that mom, that actor, that teacher, that bus worker, whatever. It says, I I've got a plan. And I'm going to get you through. And I want to see you do great things. But I want you to charge smack into the middle of all those burly guys that are staring you down in the face that want to just rip you to the ground. I don't know about you, it's easy to sit on the couch with your chips and go, man, that guy should have ran faster, you know how we are. We're awesome football players, aren't we? We know what the guy should have did, we know his mistakes, because we were watching a camera was floating over him, and we've got this bird's eye view and camera angles and a cushy couch and a drink in this hand and chips in this hand. Man, we are awesome football players. But you know what I figured out? It's a little different when you've got the pads on, you've got to run into the guy, and it actually hurts when they throw you to the ground. God's telling Elijah, I want you to run forward. I tell you, that's faith. Because you've got you to have faith that when you get there, at that exact moment, that those guys are going to peel those guys away for you to run straight through. And let, let me tell you, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And with everything that we do, whether it's building a building in the middle of a, an economy that's not so great, or it's doing a pageant on a night that they're predicting sleet, all that is is a big line in front of us and our minds saying, we'll never be able to do it. And God says, I want you to step out and trust me to make a way. That's it. And we are so governed by fear and so governed by everything that comes around us that we sit there with the ball and dance around. Have you ever seen the guy get the ball? And you're going, dude, run, come on, man, do something. Da, da, da. You know, we're just sitting there yelling at it. I, I, I believe that God hands us the ball of a pageant or a mission or, or whatever it is and says, go, I will make a way, but you've got to trust me to make the way. It's faith. It is faith. And I promise you, we can stand here all day long and say that I believe that God can. And God says, well, it's not faith until you step forward. 
It's not faith until we, we believe that God can. And I, I just am at the point in my life where I, I don't think we see great plays being made because God says nobody's trusting me to split the, the, the defense open to run you through. Because we're running and we're standing there in fear. Verse 21, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Now, I don't know why they didn't answer a word. I looked it up and I read probably five, six commentators on why that. And some of them said because they were hesitant because of Ahab and, and they didn't want to have that. And so, okay, man, or, or, or maybe it's because they were confused themselves or whatever. But I'm telling you, that reminds me of the world that we're living for or living, living to serve or, or however you want to word it. You guys, it's not just about us getting through to where we can turn around and go, hey, we did it. God says there, there's a crowd of witnesses that are relying on us. There is a world that is bought into lies. Listen, they're about to jump on an altar and scream and curse and cut themselves to shreds out of desperation to hear a God speak to them. Do you know what that reminds me of? Reminds me of this world that, that is jumping and screaming. It doesn't matter if they're the richest actor in Hollywood or if they're the poorest person. Do you realize that they're all reaching for things to try to cry out to a, a world or a God of this world that does nothing to help them. And I, I appreciate the boldness of his faith of standing there and he grabs the ball and he just stands before them and he says, here's it is. Guys, let me lay it out straight for you. That God is, is either, either real or he's not. And I, I guess for me as a believer, I want to go before the church and, or the world and turn around and say, man, guys, get your eyes off me. Get your eyes off Fellowship Baptist Church, but I'm going to step back and let you see God work in a way that you turn around and just call it out for yourself. Maybe the world's not turning to God because they're not seeing God do anything through these people. Because we're not stepping out on faith to see God do something. Because I know it was crazy, and I, I, I don't know if people talk behind my back when it comes to some of these things of going to five nights with the play. But I just believe that God... It's bigger God than just doing four nights. I, 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 just, I just think that in the last days, I, I want to do all that I can. And step out in faith to say that God can even do even more. I, I just, I don't want to have the ball and do nothing with it. And I know that God's not going to do great things until I believe that God can do great things. And I, I, I believe that even if it's going to snow, I, I believe no matter what happens, that God is being glorified. And I'll, I'll show you here in a, m a minute that his entire motive for stepping out on faith to show up that day, that, was, that would, God would be glorified through what he was doing. Let's get into the next thing. Not only did he begin by faith, because faith is what opens the door. But number two, there must be action that follows. James chapter 2 verse 20, and we talk about faith, and we can pray, and, and, and let me tell you, we did that yesterday. We, we met at 5 and prayed through the week. We prayed. Uh, we, we had days of fasting and praying. We, we had the cards that we've been praying. I, I'm looking forward to talking to the people that I've been praying for, this one card, uh, a husband and wife in our church for their son that I got their card. And, and, and I, I think of you know, all, all these things, and I have that, and, and, and God says, now what are you going to do with it? 
Because the Bible is very clear. It says, but thou wilt know, O vain man, that faith without works is, help me church, dead. Faith without works is dead. So he stands there that day and he stands for all the guys and he said, hey, listen. I'm, I'm going to show th- something very clear before you. God's either dead or he's not. Your God either, is either dead or he's not. But we're just going to call it out and label it right now and just make it very clear. And he said, I'm going to show you today. There's got to be action behind our faith to step forward to see God do things. There's got to be. Let me show you this. Through everything that God does in Scripture, you say, man, that was an amazing story of Jericho. God could have dropped the walls of Jericho, but he had them walk around seven times. You notice how many times God does amazing things and he always uses people's faith and action to accomplish them. Whether it was walking through the Red Sea, dropping the walls of Jericho, providing food in there, conquering armies, all these different things that he did. When God's people do nothing, nothing happens. You want to know why I'm always challenging us to get off the pew? Because sitting there shaking our heads saying, God can do anything is not enough. Praying on there and saying, God, I believe you can do anything is not enough. Taking a card and putting it in our pocket and saying, but man, I believe that God could save this person, not enough. I want to put faith feet to my actions to follow God to say I believe that God will bless my actions to accomplish what he's going to do that's where Elijah is in this Elijah has the ball and he says Lord I want to run with the ball Lord make a way make a way make a way and God does then Elijah verse 22 then Elijah said unto the people I even I remain prophet of the Lord but Baal's prophets are 450 men let them therefore give us two bullocks and then choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the altar and put no fire under it. I will dress the bullock and lay it on the wood. Put no fire under it. Ye call the name of your gods and I will call the name of the Lord. I love that. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So they build an altar, they prepare the sacrifice, they cry out to their God. And he says, now it's time for you to see my God in action. But notice the difference. Verse 27, it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he's pursuing or he's on a journey or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. I don't know about you, but could you tell a little sarcasm in there? Sarcasm is in the Bible. Sorry, that doesn't make it right. But all right, and they, they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner of their knives and lasted. Till the blood gushed out upon them, and it came to pass when midday uh, was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice, and there was neither a voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. Now I'm going to show you. You talk about action. I'm not, I'm, I'm not just saying action of, hey, let's do something. You realize there's a lot of churches doing a lot of things, but that doesn't mean they're getting the response that they need to get. There's a lot of Christians doing a lot of things. You got to see, it's not just a matter of believing God can and following action. It's a matter of doing it God's way. 
I love how he does this. And I'm telling you, for us as a church, there's something we could learn from this. Notice the invitation given by Elijah. After he gets done with this, he said, the Bible says in verse 30, he says, come near unto me. And, and Elijah cried or called the people under him. And, and notice what he says in verse 30. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And I love the heart of this. He simply and calmly walks into this situation. And he begins to reach out to them a way that they've not seen. Guys, notice, they went from screaming, yelling, and cutting themselves. They walk up to Elijah holding their hands like this from cutting themselves, crying out to their God. Let me tell you, church, you talk about the church in action to see God work and God do something. Notice how we present to them. It's not just we do. Let me tell you, it's the attitude in which we do it as well. He simply, calmly calls them under here and says, guys, come here. Let me see. They're coming up and they're hurting. They're all cut up and bruised and hurting. And they walk up to him. And he calmly does this. He turns around and he begins to take them and pick up, the Bible says, to repair the altar that they tore apart. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't fix everything. But I believe our calling is to call the world near. The attitude of calm and peace and to begin to pick up stone by stone. Not you, you know, pick up one stone at a time and they begin to walk back and repair what they tore apart. Doesn't that remind you of our God? How our God just calls us near and sits there and begins to repair what we've ripped apart in our lives. And calmly, with the attitude of God, put them back together. In verse 31, and Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto the, the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. I love how his actions was focused on giving glory and attention to God. His motive and his action was to draw attention to the name of God. His focus in all of this was God. It was all in the name of the Lord. Now, we're going to close this out in just a minute. You know, the Bible says in how he... Verse 33, put the wood in order and cut the bullocks in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill up four barrels of water and pour it on the burned sacrifice and on the wood. And he did. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran about the, the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And let me show you this. We begin by stepping on in faith. There must be action that follows. But number three, we see the power that falls. And it came to pass at the evening of the offering and sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that, thou, that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. I believe that God's willing and ready to do amazing things. But I don't believe that it's ever going to come and we're going to see the power fall. And I don't believe that God makes a way for our edification. I don't believe that God does all this for us. But as he does all of this, something happens that we don't see a lot of football players do. When he's doing this, he doesn't step back and do any dance and, and all the focus on this. or You know, 
He steps back in humility and he bows a knee and he looks up to God and he says, God, what happens today, I pray that this nation will be drawn to you. Lord, I, I pray that what was going on and through the attitude of his prayer and secondly, through the attitude of his humility, God pours out his power of blessing upon them for that world to see the power of God like they've never seen it before. Now, let me tell you what this world is, is hurting for today. This world is falling apart because they are screaming out with no results. And he even stands before them and says, to you to this day, they're looking back saying, we're not seeing God work on either side until the man of God stepped out on faith between, before the man of God had walked out by action to see God do something. And what happens after that? Hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that thou art God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. I'll tell you, you could circle the word then and point it back to his prayer and back to his humility and understand we'll never see the then part until we start crying out to God in an attitude of humility for him, his presence to fall. Man, I want to see God do great things. I want to advance it, but I tell you, if we dare make it about us, it will never happen. If we ever dare take this stage and make it about us, it will never happen. Elijah stood that day and he said, I want to to go down in history as a great prophet. I don't want to make a name for myself. He said, Lord, I simply want these hurting people to know who you are. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now notice this. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Do you know what happens when we do things God's way? It won't be man that's edified. It's God that's edified. Because it's only God that can make the difference in people's lives. They were so blinded in their sin, so blinded in this false religion that they were willing to sacrifice of themselves on the altar to get answers. But when the presence of God fell as a result of his faith and actions following God, that nation, through the conviction of God, fell on their faces to worship the one true God. Let me close by saying this. There must come a time when the church decides to move forward and stop just playing defense. Man, I love it. I love teaching this series. I love defending my faith. I love standing firm. But at some point, I, I believe when we come in here tonight, it's a matter of, you know what, God, by faith, we're going to step on this stage. And by faith, Lord, of all the things that are lying before us, you imagine if there was a ball team and you stood there and he, it, the quarterback passes the ball and that, that running back grabs the ball and he's looking there and he's just standing there and the quarterback goes, dude, run. Man, come on, man, run. And he turns around and says, what, what, what are you waiting on? I'm waiting for all those big scary guys to get out of the way. Man, I'll, I'll, I'm, waiting for the, I'm waiting for something to open up, man. I'll, I'll move when I'm ready, man. That, that guy would be fired in a heartbeat. You'd never give the guy the ball again. The thing is, give him the ball and say, they're always going to be there, dude. They're never just going to, oh, okay, here you go. You know, just walk out of the way. You see, for, I, I think for us as the church, sometimes God's given us the ball and say, man, I want to do great things. And man, with the power of God, I, I, I can change the nation and this crowd that's watching. Man, I can do great things. We're just standing there with the ball waiting for something to happen. God says, no, until you learn to have faith that I can split them open and make a way, nothing's going to happen. 
Until you're willing to run with the ball and get off a pew and put actions to your faith, nothing's going to happen. Until you realize that the power comes from humility and prayer and not from you or your efforts, nothing's going to happen. But when that day comes and we put those things in order, that's a game changer right there. That's when God shows up to do great things through his people, through his power, through his presence, when it's not about us.